Welcome to All About HR. I'm your host, Tom Horn, and I'm on a journey to learn about all things HR. I'm documenting my conversations with thought leaders, HR professionals, and real employees about everything from recruiting, workplace of the future, benefits, you name it. We're all about HR. Let's go. We are back. Season four of All About HR. I am uh, I'm having the best summer so far took a couple months off and it really you know it really helped me miss the podcast i just got done editing episode one uh that will be it will be out by the time you hear this but getting back to the discipline of it getting back to editing getting back to every little piece reaching out to new people connecting it's been a great vacation and it's great to be back in the seat so couldn't be more excited about this episode our guest today is eric kershop I've been following him for a while. One of the better connectors and just open, awesome, exciting, fun people to talk to. And every time I jump, you know, jump on a call or a chain with him, he just asks great questions. So I'm super excited to finally welcome him to All About HR. Give you a quick bio on Eric. If you don't know him, hopefully many of you do. Eric Kershaw is a credited actor on IMDb, an occasional backup singer for Josh Groban and a two-time Chicago marathoner. He also builds HR community, helps individuals and organizations bring the DISC personality assessment to life, and believes in the power of meaningful connection to shape lives and transform careers. Eric, welcome to All About HR. I'm really excited to be talking to you today. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. I really wish, you know, I knew you, so I hadn't been digging into your bio, but as I was reading it, it definitely created some questions. Uh, <laughs> they're going to take me right off today. of my script. <laughs> <laughs> we can go wherever you want to go. <laughs> Are you on IMDb? Is that real? I am. I am on IMDb. 2007, I was in Fred Claus, a stellar movie. <laughs> oh, I know Fred Claus. Uh, yeah. So every year around the holidays, I get people messaging me, are you in Fred Claus? I'm one of the um, Christmas carolers on Michigan Avenue pretty early in the in the uh, movie. I am extremely excited to watch Fred Claus this season uh, now because of that, Eric. Okay. Uh, so you're not on strike, though? Or like. You know, I am not. You're, you're not full SAG. Like you're I'm, you're here live, and I'm not. I do get residuals checks. I'm actually looking at one right now, and I, I don't know if I should be involved with that. But I, having done one or two um, small, having had one or two small parts in movies along the way, it's it's certainly not where I'm spending my time these days. Well, we're going to talk a lot about where you're spending your time these days. Yeah. Before we get into that, we just I, I didn't even realize that I love this part of podcasting but episode one was claire and i know you guys know each other and now we're here on episode two and i always love when you get two people that are friends that know each other and i get to back to back those conversations uh it's super cool like you know we started before recording today you're like oh i just talked to claire i was like yeah it's i just love the community feel when, when 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 it stacks up like that Claire and I are getting to be good friends and even just going through your guest list. You know, I saw John Thurmond on there and and Paul Alone actually was the first uh, episode of this podcast I listened to when I was mowing my lawn a couple of weeks back. And Paul and I are good friends. It's it's um, it's fun to build community and see uh, familiar faces at conferences, et cetera. But then also to know that they are fellow guests on podcasts, you know, that we're coming together in very similar spaces, even if it's at times seems kind of coincidental so it is pretty special 
Yeah, it's neat that, you know, I think a lot of times people de- define community as like a thing. Like I live out in the burbs of Denver and it's, well, you're in this neighborhood, then I'm in this neighborhood and we don't get to be as good friends. And like everyone's got these defined groups of community or I'm associated with this group. But what I found that's really cool about the HR community is it supersedes a lot of the people, a lot of the guests, a lot of my friends are in actual community groups, HR hot seat together. But also there's this community that doesn't have bounds. It's not connecting other than just people that know and like, respect, and share with other people, which I think is, to to me, some of my favorite kind of communities that are are not really anchored anywhere other than relationships. We'll get into HR Hot Seat too, but in some of my virtual events, I have people showing up from Nigeria and (laughs) Tel Aviv and some other places. And I think it just reminds you that the HR challenges are, are fairly common and they take on different forms in different places, but... It's nice that I can, you know, drive from here in Chicago to, to Michigan for an HR Unite conference and see some familiar faces there or fly to Vegas for a 25,000 person SHRM conference, Yeah, you know, and that, that people are being intentional about coming together in those ways. Well, that's one thing I talk about in my current role, people in doing surveys and we get a lot of questions. Well, do you have a benchmark for this specific tiny, you know, very small wedge of the pie group? And that's all good and fine. But when we do look at our global benchmarks versus industry benchmarks versus geographic benchmarks, the commonalities there, people are people and everyone's individual and everyone brings their own special piece. But in the end, we're all facing a lot of the same type of problems, pressures, whether you're in HR in India, HR in Vietnam, HR here in the United States and Michigan or Denver, where I'm at, we're all kind of fighting and pushing back and uplifting a lot of the same things which which i think is poses its own unique uh you know pros and cons right but i do think there's unification and uh, that that makes me think of something i've heard adam grant talk about which is uh, best practices i think he calls them better practices but you know you hear on occasion people saying best practices kind of implies that there's nowhere to go (laughs) that you've kind of figured it out and um I, i love communities that that come together in in search of um, inspiration, meaningful connection, those things certainly, but better practices. And I, I think our time together should be meaningful and rewarding and fulfilling in some very deep ways, but also very, very productive and practical and applicable, applicable to whatever work we're trying to do at any given point. Yeah, and I, I love that you call out that point too. With I, I've never thought of that way. Best practices very common. But you're right. Like it, that means it's at the end. You should always be. Michael Phelps is out there still trying to shave, you know, a hundredth of a second off of his time. Um, you you should constantly be striving to get better, and getting better can be really minute sometimes. Yeah, agreed. And hopefully you don't end up underwater. But if you do, that's what that community is for to bring you back up, right? Absolutely. <laughs> So before we get into kind of our headlining conversation today, I saw you were at Levy Restaurants. I came out of the restaurant industry. I ended up building a full HR program for a restaurant company I worked at, and I've sold into the restaurant industry. I don't know if you've heard of Black Box Intelligence, or we had a people product that was basically benchmarking for the for HR in the restaurant industry, mm-hmm. but really really great stuff. But tell me about like tell me about anytime I got a hospitality person, tell me about your time in the restaurant industry. Did you like it? Was it challenging? Tell me about Levy. Tom, I don't know if you know this about me, but I am a professional dishwasher. I grew up um, putting myself through. Well, I was almost going to say putting myself through through school, and that is true to a certain extent. I um, washed dishes in college as well. 
Um, but my summers were spent in restaurants, um, in dish rooms. And I just, I, I kind of knew food service hospitality, at least from the back of the house perspective. Right. And, you know, on occasion, people wanted to put me in front of customers and I'm far too introverted for all that. I liked putting on my, my music and sitting back by the dish machine. And so I, I spent right. a number of summers doing that. And then, you know, as is often the case, graduated from college uh, with a psychology degree, didn't know much about HR and needed to, to pay the bills and, and got my first HR job through a temp agency. And it just happened to be with Levy Restaurants, um, which I knew little about at the time being new to Chicago. Turns out it's an extraordinary place to work. Um, if you like sports, you like entertainment, you like food service, you like food in general. I mean, the, the, the perks were fantastic. The people were amazing. Really exciting growth during the 16 years that I was there. And I think the opportunity to have learned HR through the lens of food service hospitality was just special. I mean, you can learn HR in any number of ways, I suppose, but right, serving guests in our restaurants, treating them like guests in our home, as we like to, to say at the time, mm -hmm. and understanding how all of that, the operations of the food service hospitality space applied to the work that I was doing in HR and vice versa, I think was just such a stellar education. That's very similar to my story. I can wash dishes like no other comfortable doing it. My hands can handle some really hot water from all those years back there. <laughs> but I think, you know, that connection to HR, I, I always felt like coming out of service and then now being in either management or in the HR space, having that service, I think is a great connection to HR because that's HR is a service industry, just like working in restaurants, you know, creating that home, creating that uh, that that connection. And I feel like there's a real connectivity there. So uh, I'm glad you enjoyed your time there. I was looking up uh, Levy restaurants. Pretty cool. So it looks like they do catering at or, or run restaurants at professional sports parks. Is that am You're I going to get a I'm on a tangent here, but now I got to ask a right. follow up question. We got to run with it. There's a just a whole a whole mix of things that they're up to these days. You know, uh, my time there was primarily you would have your concessions you know, agreements, the yep. concessions business, you'd have your higher end um, skyboxes and premium food service spaces, certainly some restaurant standalone uh, concepts in the mix, anything from the Kentucky Derby to the um, to the uh, Super Bowl and, you know, US Open, everything in between college sports, convention centers, I mean, just all over the Sports I see the buffs on here. <laughs> All over the sports and entertainment food service scene. So it really was a treat to be almost anywhere in the country um, and have a connection to a, a venue or to a restaurant or to just a really, really talented um, food service team. Yeah, that was that was exciting. I could talk about this all day, but we, uh, we, we've got a lot to cover here. And I've got a great transition to what I really want to talk about. But as tradition serves it, I have to ask everyone their first question. What are you listening to right now, Eric? I happen to have a 16-month-old at home. We are listening to a lot of Justin Roberts. <laughs> I don't know if your your audience, uh, you know, in general is familiar with Justin Roberts, but very popular in terms of childhood music, early childhood music, and music for adults. It just so happens that Justin Roberts also went to my college. We both went to Kenyon College in the middle of Ohio, so that's kind of a fun connection. Oh, yeah. But I'm listening to a lot of children's music these days, and it turns out, it's actually pretty catchy. Yeah, I uh, I found the same thing that I was really worried about it, and 
there's some really good children's music out there. <laughs> and it's for better or worse, again, it is catchy. It will be in your head well after you leave the room with the music playing. Yeah. yeah we, we have your, your standards, you know, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and Old MacDonald and all that. So it's nice to mix it up once in a while. And on occasion, there's a hook that is just so catchy that it, it, uh, it becomes an earworm for sure. Yeah. Well, and I love how it used to just be Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. But, you know, as I had, you know, as raising my children, uh, we'd find like kids reggae baby music. And, you know, my like my morning jacket, my one of my favorite bands, like converted into kids songs. It's so diverse now. There's so much out there. And I've never even heard of Justin Roberts. So I'm going to go back and check that out. Justin Roberts, they might be giants I listened to for years, and then they uh, oh, yeah. they come out with a children's album. And I know Jack Johnson, I feel like, has had one along the way. So on occasion, you know, a band that um, is known for playing adult music or music for adults, you know, comes out with a, a children's album. And I, I love that. It's just a different take on music that you're already familiar with. I, that's what's great about music. It can always be reinvented. It can always, there's always something new to do with it. And it's not like kind of the movies where it's like, you know, Marvel Superman 49, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like with music, like, I don't know. I feel like you can kind of repurpose it and it seems more genuine. That's, that's a big opinion, not a fact. This may be a, a, a fitting time for me to drop that I was an extra in Transformers 4 as well. So there's that. Ooh, <laughs> Transformers 4. And as it turns out, the Transformers movies eventually start to look quite a bit like one another. So uh, your point is well taken. Where, where where can we see you in that? What, can you share the scene? Am I going to see your face walk by? It, right? You would like have a... to zoom in. <laughs> A million times and uh you know it wouldn't be worth pointing out but um it was fun to be and I, I really enjoyed the the experience of working with michael bay and um just getting to see how stuff like that is done from the inside you know and just have it be for fun you know and i know a lot of people make a living at it but um here in chicago opportunities like that are fairly accessible so it's fun to have done the, the few things that i have yeah, that's neat. Uh, Michael Bay used to be a member of the club I ran in Los Angeles. He'd come in and do all his group fitness classes. And uh, so I see all kinds of people. I'm like, hey, that guy taught spin, you know, popping up in, in those Transformers. So, I feel like we're playing Six Degrees of Separation or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back to community. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's really where I want to dig in with you. You know, I, I first... A lot of folks I see just chatting on Twitter and friends of friends, but I you popped up on my LinkedIn feed, which is usually not where I first off meet folks, but you popped up on LinkedIn feed. And I remember I reached out to you and I said, hey, let's connect. And I don't, I, it was fairly generic, you know, hopefully not like we have some people in common. I know you just posted about that uh, last week, but you came back and asked these really insightful questions um, to me. And there was a lot of thought behind them. And I went, whoa. I just connected with like a real human <laughs> being here. And I think you're an incredible connector. You know, where's that come from? Is that just innately part of you? Is that something you learned after the dish room? You know, like, like, where's that come from? This is a great question. And actually, I'm, I'm thinking about this now in a different way than I've thought about it in the past. I'm usually quick to say it is not innate that as someone who's more introverted than than extroverted, for sure. I, um, I feel like I had to learn the value of 
connecting people and connecting with people. You know, there was a time where I was working for Levy Restaurants. If you said, hey, Eric, let's go to a, a professional networking event, you know, even for HR pros, I would have said, no, thanks. I have other things I would I would rather do. And then suddenly I was in a position to, to network and I had to figure out how to do it more meaningfully. So, you know, a, sort of a long-winded way of saying it, it in part is not innate. The part that is innate, as I now think about it, is I'm genuinely curious in other people about other people. Yeah. I'm curious what makes them tick, uh, what they do, why they do what they do, what their extracurricular interests are, why they are attracted to and um, avoid certain types of work or attracted to and avoid certain relationships. And so I think that th that has connection embedded within it uh, to some extent. You just have to execute yes. on it. And so the introvert in me had to step away the step aside so that that natural curiosity could begin executing on the connection piece that's uh curiosity is one of my favorite favorite topics talk about the book a curious mind by brian grazer and it's just about asking questions and it's driven movie franchises it's driven all these connections and it's taken them in so many directions it just starts with curiosity raising a child and and me raising my children i it's one of my favorite things in the world is to watch and help push up and support curiosity. You know, you see the parents like, stop asking all these questions. Like, I do my best to never stop that. Yeah. Because I always want to push up curiosity. I think it's one of the best things. It's one of the most important traits anybody can have. And I think it can also be built, even if it's not neat. I think so, too. And I think it'll it'll... It'll allow you to do better work. I think it'll allow you to engage in more meaningful relationships and dialogue. If you're like me and you're a little bit less comfortable networking, sometimes being naturally curious allows you to ask really good questions of other people and keep them in the spotlight so it's not quite on you. Um, it can be used very strategically, but I honestly don't, you know, the, the, there's quotes about the unexamined life is not worth living, etc. I, I think life is, is much more worth living in general when you are connecting meaningfully, certainly examining examining life. And I know our friend Paul alone will appreciate that, given the conversation you had on philosophy. Absolutely. Um, but also the sense of meaningful, intentional connection. You know, I guess you and I could have a perfectly pleasant half hour conversation or about whatever comes up. But if I can learn a thing or two about you in the meantime, and we can pull on that thread that isn't on your script that takes us off topic for a little bit, right. like I can't help but think that's far more interesting than anything super scripted that we could talk about. I agree as well. And that's really what drove this whole podcast is just, I wonder who these people are. I wonder what they know. I wonder what I can learn. Uh, I wonder if anyone else out there knows. Uh, it really is just, 100% me acting on curiosity. I get a lot of, what do you want to get out of it? And I want to learn and I want to amplify people, but really I just want to just satisfy that curiosity or at least continue to try to satisfy yeah. uh, a, a constant curiosity. Especially because the stuff you're curious about, I think naturally isn't as well known. So you can go on LinkedIn, you can find all sorts of stuff about what I've done professionally. You can look at my resume, God forbid, and see what I look like when I'm reduced to black and white bullet points. You know, but you learn that I, I love classical choral music. You know, I sing in choirs and I've been an extra in a couple of movies and, you know, some of the stuff I put in my bio or I have a, a daughter, a relatively young daughter. Like those are the things that I think just bring somebody to life and, and have them stand out beyond 
what you learn of them professionally. I don't know why, but I'm thinking of Jennifer McClure, who I've seen speak, you know, in front of thousands of people on, on various stages. And I really admire her content and her delivery, etc. And, and then I learn about her that she loves horses, you know, like that's a big passion of hers. And um, I'm not yes. sure why she came to mind, but like, I think that that's neat. You know, it, Jennifer McClure is more of a well-rounded person or just more of a person in general because I've learned this thing about her that um, isn't as easily accessible. Yeah, and once you know that, the the person, the relationship just opens up. Like you said, you don't even know why she came to your mind, but yeah. there's something there. Yeah. There's something wider there than just the normal type of connection. So if we play on that for just a moment, I don't want to take us off in... in I mean, we were talking about tangents before please, we started please do. recording, but... <laughs> Now, in this example, right, Jennifer then is more top of mind for me. So if we think about like needing a job, you know, being in a job transition or in a position to of influence one way or another, or I, I don't know, I, I, you could probably come up with any number of scenarios. The fact that we can be more top of mind for somebody because they know us in a different way is only going to be beneficial, you know, especially yes. if we're looking to get, get away from more of a transactional, superficial relationship or dialogue. You know, maybe Tom comes to mind, not necessarily because of the work that he does, but because he and I had a great conversation about children's music. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then that, that allows us you to You taught me about connected. Justin Roberts. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, some people might say, well, that sounds kind of silly, but I don't know that it is. I really feel like that's where relationships are, uh, are truly built is on these points of connection that you have to dig a little for sometimes it's about making everything rich and you know, there's some new people in my life uh, in the last year. And one of them commented, you have such the most random group of friends and people that you know and are close to. And I said, I mean, I don't pick them. It's just, <laughs> I connect with this person on sports. I connect on this person on nature. I connect on this person with music. I connect with this person just because we were in the worst job on earth together for a year and a half. And now we're like inseparable because of that bonding that you don't, I don't have a type and it's mostly just because of that openness and curiosity and being able to form relationships and, and have this width of all these different people yeah. um, in my life. And it's, I, I wouldn't trade it wouldn't trade it for anything. Have you ever been in a position to get all of these people in the same room? Because you said you have different connections yep. to all of them. Have you ever had them in the same space just to see how it goes? It's one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. So when I was in Santa Barbara, you know, I, I ran a sports club there. I sailed with some of the wealthiest people, you know, in Santa Barbara, California. We had gym friends. We had arts and entertainment friends. And we threw this one party uh, for Halloween one year. And there were 75 people. And it was the biggest. I, I remember my wife and I at the time were looking around going, this is the biggest, like, just random group of human beings anybody could bring together. And just sat back. And I was like, look at those two talking. Hey, there's the chief of the fire department talking to, you know, like one of my spin trainers. And it, it, it was, my, it, it was amazing. Everybody got along. Like you could tell as the party started, people were looking around like, well, that guy's 40 years older than me. And you know, like, who's that? And like, it was, everything just stripped away and it was the most fun party. Um, and I make it a point to do that as much as possible. I just brought all of my friends from college, my bestest friends I see music with, we all saw a show together this year for the first time, all in the same place. And believe it or not, the best time I've had, uh, it, it, probably the best day of the whole year, 
just getting everyone together. So yes, I do it. Yes, it's rewarding. As a concert goer myself, I have to ask what show it was. Uh, we went to a fish show in uh, Los Angeles at the Hollywood Bowl. And I don't care who it is. That Hollywood Bowl is an incredible venue. It's beautiful. High-end markets. The sound's good. Uh, the lights are good. It's just such a cool place. I, it just so happens that that was um, one of my most recent disc workshops was at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Like, how did you enjoy it? It was fantastic. It was really nice. I mean, especially um, loving music and, um, I mean, I, I, I'll go so far as to say, um, you know, food service hospitality because the, the company I was working with does the food service there. I mean, it was really yeah. just very special. I've never been to a concert there, but getting to walk into and among the seats and, and um, think about all of the people who have been on that stage was, was pretty special. But to go back to your point, bringing people together like that, you know, like in my in my world, I think that was done at our wedding, um, at a baby shower, you know, events like yeah. that where your, your groups yeah. of friends are coming together. And I have control issues. And so I want to be able to control those environments and make sure everyone's <laughs> feeling comfortable. And how magical to be able to step back and, and see people connecting from very different parts of your life. And consider the extent to which we are allowing for those same opportunities in our professional worlds, you know, and are we keeping yes. people separate from one another because, oh, you're in this department and you're in that department or you work for this company, you work for there. And then, you know, we, we sort of keep them siloed or can we be, and this is something I very much had to learn, connectors of people to say that on the surface, you may not appear to have as much in common as you might think, but the moment you two are sitting together in the same room, you never know what kind of conversation you're able to have and learning to be intentional about that, I think has been one of the, the most eye opening aspects of the work that I get to do now. That's where I want to dig in, but we've had such a good conversation. Like we're flying through this uh, conversation. I got, I got to make this like a two hour, like Joe Rogan, like three hour marathon. <laughs> Tim Ferriss. Yeah, at some point, like, yeah, too. like I, <laughs> like, I, I think I can, like, I think, I think I might have to get there someday. Um, <laughs> I want to take a quick pause. And then when we come back, I do want to get into what you do. And you mentioned disc and I, I, I know what it is. I've known about it, but I've got so many questions. So we're going to take a quick pause. And then when we come back, we'll talk some discs. Sound good? I'll be here. All right. We'll be right back. All right. It is time for the HR Hot Sauce with Eric. Eric, are you ready? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Let's bring it on. What is the best job you've ever had? Is it cheating to say the work that I currently do? I really nope. enjoy the work that I do. But beyond that, I'll, we'll take that as a given. I worked for 16 years for Levy Restaurants and learned HR. Uh, in the sports and entertainment food service world and loved it. It was a lot of fun. What's one phrase at work that drives you nuts? Ooh, good one. Uh, living the dream. Really? Can we just <laughs> let that one go? <laughs> <laughs> There's one guy I say that to that I've been that's, I've been saying that to for 25 years. I'm not going to let it go with him, but for everyone else, gone. Do you like working on rainy or sunny days? Another good one. So I'm somebody who likes daylight. I, I feel like I'm at my happiest and most productive during the daylight. But um, if it's sunny outside, then I, I have FOMO. I feel like I need to be outside. So I'd actually prefer it be overcast and raining. Then I'm not worried about what's going on outside of my office. <laughs> Your season in uh, the greater Illinois area is coming up then. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. How can someone make your day at work? I think communicate 
sincere appreciation for something that I've done. You know, I think it's so much of the feedback that we get from people can be kind of uh, transactional and superficial. And when somebody takes a moment to really express sincere appreciation, it doesn't have to be public for me, but I, I really do appreciate it. Best useless skill. When I was young, for whatever reason, I learned to say the alphabet backwards. <laughs> so, ah, I love it. I love it. This is my favorite question. Perfect. <laughs> it never comes up in any practical sense, but I can do it. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry to hear. <laughs> Mild, medium, hot, or nuclear? I used to I used to avoid spice altogether, and over the course of the, the past few years, I've come to really appreciate it. I'm not going to go nuclear though. I'm going to go I'm going to go medium. I want a little spice, but not so much that it's a painful experience. Favorite interview question to ask or be asked? I'm a big fan of why do you do what you do? You know, we'll get to the what, but I think when you dig into the why, the conversation becomes far more interesting. Mm-hmm. Don't disagree. Finally, favorite song to bring you out of a funk? Bit of a story behind this, and I'll just suffice it to say, when I there's a glitch in my system that when I shut down my iPod or my AirPods on my desktop, I put my AirPods back in the case and close the case, iTunes, for some reason, starts playing the first song in my iTunes playlist, which is ABBA's Dancing Queen. And so, <laughs> out of the blue, with no warning at all, I'll be ending my day and Dancing Queen will come on, and I can't help but get a smile on my face. <laughs> I love that. We are done with HR Hot Sauce. Eric, back to the show. All right, we are back. Great hot sauce, Eric. Was that fun? I enjoyed it. It made me a little nervous. You know, stepping outside of my comfort zone isn't always <laughs> attractive to me. But I, I, you asked some really good questions, so I enjoyed it. Well, in full disclosure, I usually send those questions to people, and I erred in sending them to you. So you had a lot less time to think about your answers than most folks. So you did, you did awesome. <laughs> Which makes me that much more proud that I was able to pull it off. <laughs> yes. Sorry to spring that on. Great work. <laughs> So it's come up a couple times, and I, I get, I, I really truly mean it. I could talk about just the connections uh, and building the space, and I think we'll probably end back there anyways, just because we haven't talked about uh, HR Hot Seat like I would like to. So we're going to get there, but DISC, Harmony Insights. Mm -hmm. Tell me what Harmony Insights is, tell me where you focus, and then I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. Harmony Insights is my company. I'm a, a solopreneur, a, a um, self-employed, small business owner, whatever you want to call me. But um, my time is spent in three different ways. Uh, number one, I help um, companies and consultants bring the DISC personality assessment to life. Um, I'm a huge DISC nerd. Come by it honestly. And really, there's very little that I would rather do except perhaps spend time with uh, my wife and 16-month-old than to talk about DISC. And, and people know this about me. That's the first piece of the puzzle. The second is the HR Hot Seat community, which we can certainly get into giving people um, a, a safe, confidential, non-commercial space for, for um, meaningful connection in the HR space. And then also um, public speaking, you know, conferences at the local, state, and national level. And um, really whenever I can get people together to talk about um, really meaningful, practical um, content. Happy to start with DISC if that's you, we can go yeah, there. Let's, let's get in. I love, you know, personality type of assessments. Is that, I guess that's my first question. Is that what it is? Some people say personality assessment. I think I prefer behavioral assessment. It really is about okay. um, yep. workplace preferences and tendencies, especially in terms of your behavior. So communication is behavior, certainly. 
Um, there may be personality in the mix. Certainly there is in terms of how we connect with one another. Um, uh, I think I prefer behavior. Um, and it really is that. It's an assessment of your workplace preferences and tendencies. So it's not going to talk about intelligence. It's not going to predict how well you're going to perform in a given role. It's not going to, you know, get into your, your upbringing or, um, you know, certainly spirituality or any of that. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to pull out a couch for this one. Um, but it's, it's an accessible model that really gives people this common language for uh, doing their best work, figuring out in which environments they do their best work and connecting meaningfully and productively with stakeholders, both in and outside of the company. So how is it used? Is it more to the benefit of the hiring manager to understand placement? Is it more to the benefit of the person taking it to understand which roles they'd be best in? Um, how, how do, you know, what's the main goal? And it could be a couple different things, but how is DISC used uh, primarily and secondarily if, that, if that's applicable? So I've, I've gone back and forth um, for the past 16 years, and I've been facilitating DISC for 16 years, and I've had different answers at different times. These days, I think the, the value is twofold primarily. Number one, self-awareness. You know, understanding yourself so that you can understand um, what work is going to be most meaningful and rewarding to you, perhaps. Um, you know, which relationships are going to be most meaningful and rewarding and fulfilling and how to have those relationships and work be be productive. Um, so there's a self-awareness piece. Number two, there's a, a relationship piece. And there are a number of assessments out there that kind of pause or, or hang out with the self-awareness part. And what I like about DISC is that it helps us connect more um, effectively and productively with other people. And so if I'm, if I'm right. leading, how can I lead more effectively? If I'm selling, how can I sell more effectively by understanding what comes naturally to me in terms of my leadership or sales style, and then recognize mm -hmm. that some percentage of the people will want to be led in the way that I lead or sold to in the way that I sell, but a, a, probably a larger percentage of people will speak a different language. And if I can learn to adapt what comes naturally to me, I can lead you or sell to you or manage or simply communicate meaningfully with you in a way where you feel sort of uniquely seen and feel heard and celebrated and, and acknowledged because we're different and not necessarily ostracized for those things. That almost makes too much sense. I'm listening to you going, yep, that sounds great. Yep, sign me up. Great, great, great. What are some of the hurdles you have to overcome when you're talking to organizations about this behavioral approach with DISC? It just sounds, well, yeah, perfect. Great. Why wouldn't I do that? You'd think that there would be few of them, but there are there are hurdles that come up. I think um, the one that comes to mind most readily is the organization that does not value people skill development, which is what this is ultimately. You know, you could call it soft skills, people skills. I heard someone recently say power skills, you know, but there's so much emphasis and focus on technical skills training. Um, right. And we're promoting people into management positions left and right that don't have the skills to succeed you know, as a supervisor. And so um, it, it, the hurdle number one would be the company that says, you know what, um, prove the ROI to me. You know, what, what metrics can we have in place? Yeah. And I've had clients ask this or potential clients, what metrics can we have in place to prove that it was worthwhile, you know, working with you? That's, that's a little bit of a red flag for me. I still enjoy the conversation, but that, that can certainly be a hurdle. Right. I think the second one is um, maybe the reputation that assessments can have in environments that are 
I won't even go so far as to say toxic, but less than healthy. You know, companies that have people complete assessments and don't show them their results, don't talk openly about what's being right. done with them, if anything is being done with them to begin with. And so what you end up doing is leaving people with a, a bad taste in their mouth. And I come along and I, I really want to facilitate a, a meaningful, productive conversation around DISC and people dig in their heels a little bit. They're a little skeptical about the right. process because of previous experience. Yeah, and it's, as I'm thinking about this, you know, I'm in the survey world. It, there's a lot of parody with that. Don't survey unless you're going to take action on it or at least talk about it. What are the results? What can we take from this? There's nothing worse than doing something and having it just poof. Yeah. It's gone. I remember in my, right, what did I do here? My <laughs> HR generalist days, you know, we would mount a, a massive employee engagement survey. You know, it took a lot of work and, you know, to even think about not doing anything with the results would have been, um, you know, not catastrophic necessarily, but certainly ill-advised. <laughs> um, yeah. Anytime, anytime you're willing to ask somebody for their opinion or their feedback, like that's a gift. And if you don't take action on it, it's such a lost opportunity. And so, and as it turns out, I when agree. you don't take action on it or you do some of these other things like keep results secret or God mm -hmm. forbid, use them against your own employees, um, instead of building trust and building culture, some things that assessments can do help you do really well, you're doing the opposite. You're building resentment and you're um, building walls and... Mm -hmm. Things that certainly make it a, a waste of both time and money. That's that's the double whammy right there, <laughs> time and money. Yeah. I love that you even started this with you know the, that intention. What's your intention? It sounds like you can almost even feel like who are going to be the great partners pretty early on in a conversation. Um, who's going to get the most out of DISC? Is that is that a fair assessment for my uh, I think so for my too. ears here? Yeah, hearing certainly from individuals, but. Um department heads, leaders, and at some level in the organization, someone that shows up and you get the, the bucket of people that say, hey, we're having an offsite. And Eric, we would really love you to come in and fill two to three hours of that offsite meeting. And then you know it's kind of a check the box sort of thing, right? They just have that yes. free time. They have to do something warm and fuzzy and um, you know, you, you, yeah. you're the person who's been slotted. Instead, the person who comes along and says, we have communication issues. We have trust issues. We have issues with conflict. We know that conflict can be productive, but it's unhealthy for us. It's getting in the way of our productivity. Um, we don't want to just do a one and done thing, but we want a, a common language that we can speak here to help our team members, our individual contributors really connect more meaningfully and productively with one another and serve stakeholders outside of the company in ways that they've never been able to. Yeah. That's the sort of language. It can sound like a million different things, but that's the language that I get excited about because it's not just we're here to check a box, but we want to do something that over the long term is going to have the greatest possible ROI. I didn't realize how close this aligned with how the passions I have in the space. I'm focused, you know, on the you know, employee listening and not just in my job, just in general. Um, and there's a lot of parallels here. When you described what the optimal optimally they might say to you that's exactly like that all the bells are going off in yeah. my head too so that's it's really really cool like and that's what's neat like i didn't realize there was this similarity uh, or alignment um it, it, in the passion so i'm i'm learning actively right now this is really cool i would chalk it up to a, a strategic approach certainly there's a and maybe that's a buzzword and it's, it's too easy to fall back on that but i, I appreciate when people are thinking strategically but i'm going to come back to intentionality 
you know that you're that yeah. people are being intentional about how they are developing their people um and not having it be an afterthought and say oh you know we're we're late in our fiscal year and we have some money that we're going to lose if we don't <laughs> if we don't spend it there can be intentionality certainly wrapped up in that as well but i don't want it to be an accident i want when we sit down yeah. together to have this great conversation about how we do our best work and connect with one another I want everybody to sit or, sitting around knowing that their leadership is doing this intentionally, that they're taking part in the conversation, they're willing to be just as vulnerable as they're asking anybody else to be, and some really good things are going to come from our discussion. Yeah, that was going to be, you already just started touching on it, but I'm a leader and I'm communicating like, how can you communicate internally if you have DISC or you're going to do this, you're thinking about it? What are some of the best practices for communicating this internally uh, to help make it successful? I think connecting with or aligning aligning efforts with your HR or talent development or organizational development people, if you have them, is often a good start. You know, some people have the best of intentions, but they sort of go rogue and they'll do a one-off sort of thing. Yeah. And then it turns out it's it's not aligned in ways that it could be with more centralized efforts. And so I typically say, do you already have somebody internally who's thinking in these terms if you're not in HR or talent development yourself? Can you connect with them and say, how oh, this is an idea I have. This is something I think my team would benefit from. Are we already doing something like that? Uh, and if not, you know, what's possible? Two then, from what we said before, you know, thinking beyond the one and done sort of scenario and thinking over the long term, how could this truly become a common language? You know, if we begin yeah. kick things off with a workshop, fantastic. But what more can be put into place um, to really get the most out of this? And then... I'm sure you'll agree with this. None of that, none of what we've already said um, makes any sense or is worth pursuing if um, your efforts aren't in some way aligned with higher business objectives, you know, that you're able to make an internal um, business case to your leadership team if you're not a part of it to say, look, this is how um, having this conversation, hosting this discussion, bringing our people together is going to be um, benefiting our company objectives that go well beyond simple team building efforts. You know, that this is going to allow our people to convert business in a different way or build trust with external stakeholders or impact engagement in ways that we know we need to influence. It's it, These are the subtle things that differentiate like good to great uh, type of organizations. Um, this level, you know, this isn't, it, it can be used at Stage one, very basic level, but I think this is also companies are, you know, everyone's focused on compliance and, you know, like job posting and, you know, all these different things. But if you can stop and look at this, this is one of those big difference making pieces. Um, culturally for your organization, they can drive all those positive business outcomes from engagement, better growth and development opportunities because you're in the right place and you're able to uh, use your skills the best way, more awareness so you understand your blind spots so you're a better person to work with for the other people. Um, So when this is happening throughout an organization, productivity goes up, absenteeism down, well-being goes up, you know, it's all those type of of great stats and it's – I appreciate you being out talking about this and being a, a self-proclaimed disc nerd uh, and, and talking about this because people need to own this. Like it's it's a lot of the same stuff as engagement where I'm talking about and everyone kind of knows about it. Everyone knows about personality or behavioral tests, but I don't think always give the right view. And I think connecting that to an ROI is hard, but there absolutely are real ROI and benefits. And 
I spent a lot of time trying to teach HR people how to go and get and ask for these resources so that they can get the tools they need to provide these business benefits. Because at the end of the day, HR, culture, they're profitability drivers. They're not revenue drivers per se, but they're profitability drivers for a business. Um, and, I, and I believe passionately about that. Whether or not this was um, intentional on your part, I appreciate that you skipped over the what piece. You know, a lot of people start by saying, you know, what is DISC and going through the model. And that's all we could, that could have been part of our conversation, but people can look that stuff up, you know, and, and this doesn't even come down to DISC. It's whatever common language you've chosen. It could be a different assessment or no assessment at all. Having a why behind your efforts mm -hmm. is so important. So we can always get into the model and, and I'd encourage people to just go um, check it out. We'll put a link on the podcast. See if it's yep. uh, see if it's right for them. And if not, you know, if there's something else out there, but if you're not being intentional about why you're engaging this or any other tool, I can't help but think your efforts are bound to fall flat. I can't add anything more than that. That's... <laughs> I'm going to put links to this so people can go look at that. But I think the why, it, the why is the most important. Uh, one last question on disc because I do want to talk is where, you know, we're getting pretty long in here. And uh, like I said, we can go for a long time. <laughs> There's no hard exit here. Um, but before we talk about HR Hot Seat, why disc? Like what about this specifically? There's a lot of different things out there. Why does this one connect for you? And there's no one size fits all, but I've, I've gravitated toward right. disc for a few different reasons. Number one, it's really accessible. So when you're pulling your, your people off the floor or away from their jobs for a conversation, you want to give them a model that they can sink their teeth into immediately and be inspired and compelled by. Some other stuff out there gets pretty cerebral, academic, etc. Um, number two, yeah, DISC sense. goes beyond self-awareness and gets into that relationship building piece. Some assessments kind of plateau with self-awareness, but DISC says, okay, now that you've understood yourself a little bit better, how can you understand Tom, what Tom needs from you, and then how to adapt your behavior, your communication style, so that you're, you're speaking his language in a very respectful, uh, respectful way. Third, I would say, um, there's some assessments that paint a picture that you are who you are across environments and conversations and relationships. And although I believe we do take uh, certain personality traits with us from, from space to space, DISC comes along and reminds us that we do have some agency. That even though there are certain yeah. things like I am detail oriented, if your audience hasn't uh, picked up on this yet, in a conversation with somebody who's more big picture oriented, I can adapt to speak that language. If I'm more reserved and sort of lower energy naturally, and I'm connecting with somebody who's high energy and I, it's going to benefit me to be able to mirror that communication style, um, benefit yeah. our relationship. I can choose to do that. Doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable. Doesn't mean it's going to take no effort. But it reminds me that I do have that agency. And I like that. It gives me some control over not necessarily who I am, um, but how I behave and how I communicate and connect with other people. I love it. I love it. I'm in. I'm going to be clicking on that disc link as I'm dropping it into our show notes. <laughs> Harmony Insights, I would imagine. Yeah, there's a um, lot of stuff there. And yeah, I just, I mean, anybody, I've, I've told people time and again, just get on my calendar. Just send me an email and say you want to learn more about disc. I will clear it, except if I have a conversation scheduled with Tom Horn, then that, that stays on the calendar. But anything else comes off and I will talk disc. You can always circle back to me. Yeah, go ahead and drop me for that. <laughs> so accommodating. <laughs> you have hot, HR Hot Seat Chicago coming up. 
it'll probably have been done by the time this thing uh, releases in two or so weeks. But what's going on there? Who's showing up? What are you doing? Like, what is, what are you accomplishing with HR Hot Seat? You touched on it at a higher level earlier, but what's happening in Chicago? Well, it's, it's not only what's happening in Chicago, but around the country, we have 14 different licensed, individually licensed chapters at this point, several thousand members. And it's, it's guess what? Meaningful, productive conversation. It is, you know, at a time when a lot of the, the networking I was doing as I left um, Levy Restaurants and was starting my own business seemed very superficial and transactional. As I feel I've already mentioned, I just craved a space where I could connect meaningfully with others and in a way that is was non-commercial. I felt like so much out there, you're, you're, you have people sort of breathing down your neck and handing you business cards. You don't know what to do with all that. Yeah. And I wanted to create a space. And I had been learning about this mastermind style conversation. And so I thought, you know what? I'll bring 10 to 12 HR professionals in Chicago together on a regular basis. We'll build trust and accountability. If they need a disc guy, they'll have one. And otherwise, it'll be a good opportunity for me to, to serve in other ways and to be of service in other ways that go beyond disc. Little did I know over the course of the seven years that have passed that um, there was going to be more to it, that it would take on a life of its own not necessarily because it's rocket science, but because HR professionals crave a space, a safe, confidential, non-commercial space where they can come together and be connected not only with each other, but the resources and inspiration they need to do their best work. And I have folks leaving my events, sometimes virtual, sometimes in person saying, I came for the mastermind style conversation, but I'm gonna return for this deeper sense of belonging, to have found a place where I can not only learn and soak up information, but in the same conversation, I can give back and I can share my expertise and experience and have it be valuable to my peers. That sounds pretty darn meaningful. <laughs> Is It's more than 12 people in Chicago now? It's more than 12. Yeah, we have a couple thousand <laughs> altogether, but it's, um, and we've had up to about 130 at our events over time. We've been hosted by Excellent. companies like LinkedIn and CareerBuilder and the House of Blues and um, United Airlines. And some of what we do is is on Zoom, especially coming out of the pandemic. We have a lot of people or wherever we are evolved in, in the pandemic. Yep. We have a lot of people say, you know what? Turns out I really like that whole virtual networking thing. Let's, let's keep some yeah. of that in the mix. And so we've been very intentional. There's that buzzword about um, having some of our events remain virtual, including for the people that are attending now from around the world. We have people from Nigeria and Tel Aviv and other places that are stopping by to see what we do. And I want to give them a space uh, to be able to join us for that conversation. As they should. My only question, it doesn't sound like a hot seaty kind of thing. It sounds like a pretty comfortable, nice seat. I would say it's easy. What's, what's the hot seat tie-in? The only thing probably working against us is the connotation most of the time you would think of the hot seat being grilled and having you know being in the spotlight and uncomfortable certainly not the case for us the the hot seat when it comes to a mastermind conversation is um a position that you're in when you're showing up to be vulnerable to say hey there's a challenge that i face for us it's in your work or in your job search yeah on which you could benefit from advice from your peers and so if you're in the hot seat you are you're being vulnerable. You're saying, I could use some advice. What do you have for me? And then you're taking a step back and letting people give you recommendations and uh, share advice and make connections and introductions and, and share resources. 
in all of the things that you wouldn't have had had you not come together with a group of your peers that really want what's best for you and, and want so badly to support you in the work that you're doing. I debated asking a question. And I'm so glad that I did. <laughs> it's uh, just the vulnerability in that hot seat and understanding what that is in a mastermind discussion. That's I'm definitely learning. A lot of people feel that they have to show up to teach or to you know prove themselves in some ways in the hot seat. And, and on the contrary, it's it's a very safe space for you to get advice that's going to allow you to make some progress on a challenge that you face in your work or your job search. I love it. Eric, where can people find you? I want to, I'll put links to all this, but let's share it. Usually playing with my 16 month old, listening to Justin Roberts. But when I'm not doing that, (laughs) it's uh, these days, probably on LinkedIn, I spend a heck of a lot of time Mm -hmm. there. I was actually talking with Claire prior to this conversation. She was recommending that we spend some more time on Slack together. And I said, it's going to cut into my LinkedIn time. (laughs) That's, (laughs) that's where I'm spending it. So uh, LinkedIn for sure. Um, And anything disc related, um, harmonyinsights.com. And then um, HR hot seat entirely free. We never charge for anything. So anyone who's practicing HR or serving the HR space can get involved by going to hrhotseat.com. Eric, you were the best. That was so much fun. That was one of the quicker podcasts. It just flowed. It just, phew. Excellent. It was awesome. I'm so glad. I really, really enjoyed, enjoyed it, too. Really enjoyed it. And I could tell by listening to your previous episodes that you and I would have a, a good conversation. So I, I was proven right. I was looking forward to this one. <laughs> well, I really appreciate your time. I will hopefully see you at a HR Hot Seat event. We'll put links to Harmony Insights, to DISC. I learned all about HR today. Uh, Eric, hopefully you learned something and at worst case, set, satisfied some of your curiosity. Oh, I loved it. This was, this was a, a truly meaningful connection. It's been great to get to know you, Tom, and thanks for introducing me to your audience and vice versa. Hopefully we're staying in better touch even after this. Appreciate your time, Eric. I look forward to it. And thank you all for listening. Appreciate you tuning in to another episode of All About HR. We'll see you back in a couple of weeks. Take care. Understand, engage, inspire, and retain your people like never before. People Element's employee experience and engagement solution delivers powerful intelligence, giving you the confidence to act. To learn how you can gain a better understanding of your employees, please visit us at peopleelement.com.